tap it in. Welcome back, everyone, to the Big Players Only Podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network. We are the best place to catch up on golf from around the world, including the golf of your favorite big players, Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, Colin, and Kenny Oneput. What a week we had last week interviewing Travis Fulton, the past director of instruction at TPC Sawgrass. We'll recap our favorite moments from the interview. If you haven't yet, make sure you go back and check it out. Then we'll take a look at golf from this past week, which included a win for Brooks Kepka on the LIV Tour, his first win in quite some time. Keegan Bradley takes home the championship at the Zozo Championship, and Ricky Fowler has an incredible T2. Could he be back for the year to come? We'll talk about Colin's new PXG driver, which he got at the low, low price of $189. Just a couple-year-old driver. We'll talk about his fitting experience and what he's liking with his new driver. Then we'll review the PGA 2K23 golf game that just came out, what we love, what we find challenging, and why it's a must-have golf game for any golf lover out there this year. Make sure to head over to Instagram and follow us at BigPlayersOnlyPod. Thanks, everyone, for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the episode. All right, the boys are back. We got Ben, Colin, Tully, and Tyler in the studio tonight. We're going to kick it off talking about last week, our interview with Travis Fulton. Just a quick recap, go around the room, see what everyone's favorite moments were. I think uh, what a great guy. Definitely a lot more uh, a lot more conversation about stuff that um, you know you'd want to hear from a teaching professional. It was a great interview, so let's jump around the room here. I really appreciated how you know he did a good job at setting expectations in terms of you know people just need to accept you know what their skill level is to some extent. Like for example, when looking for a lesson, I really don't necessarily want to go to whoever Ben would go to for a lesson. I want to go to whoever like Ken goes to for a lesson, which I guess is just go to Ben. But <laughs> like it, it about like you know the difference in the kind of skill levels and what you need to be looking for out there. I thought that was interesting, but also a little defeating, you know. Well, I like that idea because I certainly would want to, like, as a lower handicap, I'd want to go to guys that maybe have, like, a pedigree and have worked with guys that, like, maybe have gone to the Corn Ferry Tour or something, right? That would be, like, my barometer for are you a good coach. That's not necessarily true. I probably could learn a ton from a guy who just teaches beginners because maybe my fundamentals aren't that great, but you're right. I would totally try to find a guy that works with really low handicaps, gets them, you know, shooting under par, but for, you know, a 20 handicapper, Maybe that doesn't work. I really like that opinion. Yeah, I liked when he was talking about the mental side of things and the bell curve. Um, it's a good way to good way to think when you're out there on the course. Like if you play poorly one day, you're st- and you could still got to think like you're you're within that bell curve. You're you're just below average. Some days you're going to be above average, but just just got to think of it that way to kind of get yourself in the mind, right headspace and not get too frustrated out there on the course. I'm used to I'm used to thinking about a different bell curve when I'm out there, how many beers it's going to take before <laughs> I start, before my game starts falling off, but uh, it's a different perspective to look at. Same same strategy though. So it works. Do you know what about that bell curve comment really like resonates with me and why when I started getting better, this is how I noticed I was getting better is that your bad rounds get better. Like your good rounds, you're always going to have your good days and the difference between, let's say, a 76 and an 80. Eh, it's a couple good breaks here and there. But when you're consistently shooting like 80, but your worst rounds are 84 instead of 90, that's when you know you got complete control of your game. So when you think about the bell curve, I wouldn't concentrate too much on the low side because most of the time you're not going out too competitively, right? You're kind of having some beers, playing with your boys. So maybe your rounds are never going to be quite as good as they could be because you're not taking it that serious. But trying to make those bad rounds better, I think, is the key. 
Yeah, then one of the things for me, I wish I could have been there with you guys for it live, but listening back to it, one of the things I really enjoyed was how he was, granted you could hear it throughout the interview with the kids playing at the simulator, but how he was gearing lessons now more to the next generation where it's not just going, playing on the range, hitting a bucket of balls. It's You've got this simulator with six different games on whatever it is that the kids really enjoy. And you could hear them laughing, enjoying golf in the background where I look at it when we were growing up and you're on the range, your dad's trying to teach you how to hit balls and you're just getting upset and you're knocking the bucket over, walking away, storming away. It's like, that's a whole different generation now learning how to play golf. Yeah. I think it's safe to say Travis Fulton is going to be the number one golf instructor in the metaverse whenever that actually happens. So <laughs> I love that. It should be pretty exciting for him. You know, I can say that when I played in college, there was a time when I was just like super uninterested because we were playing so much. But our coach was really great about, you know, off of the first green, he had like a bunker shot that you tried to get up and down from. And in the second hole, there was a 20-yard shot out of the thick rough and like implementing those little games. And it's not always just for kids, but people who play the game a lot that want to reinvigorate their like in the game, like every every hole you go to with your boys, like try something different. Maybe this is a no driver hole or something like that. Or, you know, you got to chip with, you can't chip with anything less than a pitching wedge, something to work on your bump and run game. You got to so. putt with your driver. Putt with your driver. <laughs> I also thought it was funny how he's telling the story about how, yeah, my buddy used this Nike driver for years. Like that was just an unheard of thing here. I'm just, I just replaced my Nike driver like, two weeks ago and he talked about how shit nike drivers were and i'm going to be completely honest this one blindsided me a bit i'm a big fan of those covert drivers and that the four to five years where nike was coming out with what was the most popular driver but then we found an instagram post where someone talked about there were actually more distance gains made from when they went from uh nike woods were not premiered to when TaylorMade became premiered than when we came from normal titanium to like the modern day driver so it, it talks about how like how poorly these Nike drivers were really designed, but I used to love them. I thought they looked good at least. Yeah, I mean, thankfully he didn't talk about the three woods, which are in my bag. <laughs> best club the in best the bag. Club in your bag. Best club sure. in the bag. So I mean, luckily he targeted. Has Colin's everyone here driver. owned a Nike club? I had a Nike driver at one point. Colin yeah. just got rid of his. Yep. I had a Nike Great driver. Clubs. It sounded like a composite bat, and I bet the, it probably didn't perform nearly as well as the other drivers. Like we know now, but I love that. Thing. It's an important step in the process. Every great golfer needs to have <laughs> what was a that Nike square head. One I have was the Sasquatch. Sasquatch. Oh, that thing sounded good. I Imagine still, how many majors Rory would have if he'd have to play those damn Nike drivers. If I recall correctly, they were really you know, structurally sound. I think Ken snapped one and a half into the cornfield at Glade <laughs> yeah, Valley. I, I did see that. <laughs> So they're, they're very, very quality products. I would like to know how, how far that stretches back because, like, the Sasquatch for that square one, like the loud one, that was, like, their first one. Then they went to the Covert, and then they had some vapor drivers. But uh, I'd like to know how far that stretches back because I thought the Sasquatch was kind of, like, an innovative driver, but maybe it was just a pure marketing thing. <laughs> it was just the funny shape that made it exactly. really innovative. All right, let's move on to stuff that happened this past week and is happening now. We had Brooks Kepka get his first win on Live, his first international win in quite some time. Um, I mean, it, it, the field at Live is getting stronger and stronger, and for Brooks to win, uh, which, like one of their penultimate events, was this a championship or a penultimate? I think it event? might have been the individual championship. And yeah, the, the team championship is next week or something like that in Florida. So, like, lots of props to him. A good win, a bit emotional after this win. I don't know. I get it. You win on the big stage, you're going to be a little emotional, especially having a bad year or two like Brooks. But it just doesn't strike me quite the same way as if he were to win not a major because I don't think that's like it but maybe like a you know an Arnold Palmer invitational or something like that it's just like 
it's just not it's not rubbed me the right way. I get it, but uh, once again, another another live media day where these guys are saying things like, "What's Phil?" So they're talking about the world golf ranking points, and Phil's making comments about how much better the tour is. But what do you guys think about Brooks? Yeah, I mean, I was kind of like surprised to see that out of him because he's always such more of that laid back guy, which I so I don't really feel like it's super genuine, or whether it's more maybe like he's been told to kind of hype things up a little bit and I'm probably the closest to a live supporter we have on the podcast just in the sense of I think it's an interesting story but it just felt it didn't doesn't feel genuine coming from him because he's always that guy that oh I don't really care I'd rather be you know playing this other sport you know wish I was a baseball player shit like that so it's just it, it didn't it felt weird what do we got four Brooks got four majors didn't see it tear shed and any of those wins and he wins on live and all of a sudden he's tearing up it feels weird i don't know do you think it's just like a sense of relief for him it's like he's we we all expected him to him and dj to go over there and win every single tournament and he had dj has and and do you think it's like maybe they're looking down on me even more so now that i was at live i'm not winning and maybe it actually was real emotions and it's just yeah i am that top guy that's playing over here but i'm finally meeting the expectations that were set for me but there's a degree of like the the comeback story here because Brooks has been so bad the past year or two. So I'll give him that. I mean, I think mad props to him for winning, and that's probably what's causing the emotion here. And that's what we talk about we love seeing on the PGA Tour. And I'm going to be honest, like, I'm still impressed with this win from Brooks. I'm, I don't know. I think the tears seem legitimate. They just seem weird. Um, but maybe Liv is – maybe this is a big step for them because now some of these players who have won in a while that are getting on this tour are winning, and it's like – a little bit more enticing. Like you see a good Brooks Kepka is a lot more enticing to watch than the Brooks Kepka on the PGA tour a year or two ago. Well, it was only a field of 46. So uh, let's pump the brakes <laughs> on the comeback here. Well, but a comeback that, that for 40... him, an international win. I mean, uh, but let's not, I mean, he did still have to beat a DJ, a Cam Smith, you know, some notable names that are, you know, are substantial I'll you give know, you players a, to beat. Do you have a guess of who lost the tournament this past week? Uline. I assume Phil Mickelson oh, probably. Actually came in last place, I should say. Oh, really? Then I assume Phil Mickelson. Oh, came in last. Yeah, came in last place. I love this even more. Pat Perez. <laughs> he's been carried. Wow. Lottery, he's probably he like the top five money winner in this thing, and he's literally last place again. It'll be interesting going to the playoffs now. Brooks was a high flyer. Is that right? Mm-hmm. No. Like smashers. Team crushers. Smash. smash. Like okay. That, yeah. What a win for Team Smash. Yeah, high flyers are Phil's team. That's Phil's team, right? But now seeing, you know, seeing Pat Perez come in last, it's like, uh, maybe a little interesting to watch these championships because the four aces are just going to pretty much rely on Pat Perez not sucking ass like the whole yeah. entire tournament. I think the team championship could actually be entertaining to watch because it's the first time I don't think there's any sort of individual prize. So there is maybe a little more strategy and a little more like that team aspect. You'll actually see it rather than like they're really more concerned about the bigger uh, individual prize during the regular events, I'd imagine. Yeah, he's going to have to do better than a final round 77 if the uh, Flying Aces or Four Aces, whatever their name is, has hey, a that, chance. That would win on PGA 2K23, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Let's see, the championship is from October 28th through the 30th, so it'll be on a Sunday. So, I mean, we we'll probably tune in on that weekend. I mean, they're in they're at uh, Trump Doral, yeah. so Florida, so, you know, East Coast, it'll be the right time zone. So it is going to be an interesting thing to watch, though, this tournament. The, the playoffs are going to have, like, the higher seed gets to pick who they play, and it's like a match play tournament of, you know, style yeah, event. Weird, so it'll be different. interesting to watch. So let's jump to the PGA Tour. Uh, Ricky Fowler coming in second to uh, Victorious Keegan Bradley. Two names you love, two names that are huge for the golf scene. Keegan's a guy that's been around forever and had – Great success. What was it? The 2011 PGA? 2011 PGA Championship that I think that he won? Yeah, 2011, which is outrageous, <laughs> right? We're 11 years past what is probably considered the height of Keegan Bradley's career, even though he's been solid since then. 
it's amazing to see this guy have like the revival of his career. And I think he's playing great golf. I remember watching him late last year, kind of with a lead going down the stretch. I think it was a tournament that Max Homa might have won. Yeah, Wells Fargo, the one yeah. in D.C. But Keegan played great. I mean, Max just kind of won it from him. It's good to see Keegan back. And then, I mean, Ricky Fowler, right? The guy is like the darling of, of the PGA fan. And to see him playing good, I mean, we saw some streaks of brilliance late last year. You know, Ricky's just kind of getting back to his game. We'll see. He's back with his old coach, so uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think Ricky coming back is definitely the bigger story than, you know, Keegan winning, in my opinion, and just because he is that darling. He's the one, he, even when he sucks, you know, he's playing horrible, missing cuts, bear, you know, fighting to even stay on the PGA Tour. You know, he's in every sort of, every single promotion out there. And then, like, last year, he just got into the FedEx Cup. He had 337 FedEx Cup points, or 340 FedEx Cup points throughout 22 events. And then through three events this year, he's already at 337 with a T2 and a T6. Wow. So, like, he's actually playing solid golf. I know, like, these early tournaments aren't, like, typically the greatest fields. I think maybe this week is going to be a little bit better uh, barometer for him because it does have some of those bigger names in it. But... It's. I think it's a big win for the PGA Tour to see him, you know, actually performing up to that hypothetical potential he had many, many years ago. Yeah, I wonder if he's like in a new mindset now. He feels with all this live stuff going on, if he needs to kind of step up and be, kind of take on the role as a leader for the PGA Tour. I mean, he is obviously super popular, even though he hasn't been very successful the last few years. So um, maybe he's kind of taking on that leadership role and he's going to step up and play better. He might be in the right headspace now. Yeah, he might feel like he also won the lottery with all those players leaving. You know, he just, he just secured the fact that the PGA tour is going to you know promote him even more. Well, the thing, the thing about Ricky is he's always been, I feel like his strength has always been putting particularly like, particularly like eight to like 15 feet. Like Houston never missed those. And the last couple of years he's been missing a ton of those. So maybe, I mean, that's clearly something that can get him back into contention if he can find that putting stroke again. Definitely. I think it's the one aspect of the game, too, where it's like even the best coaches can't always pinpoint why you're not putting well. Your stroke looks good. Your ball is rolling good. You can get on every single machine, and it just comes down to it. You know, you just don't putt well in the tournaments. But you're right. Ricky has that X factor that when he does putt well, every part of his game is pretty solid. Little little Cam Smith-ish, in my opinion, right? Like a little wild off the tee at times, but can really go after pins, has a solid short game, but his putter's been off. Uh, but I'm excited to see Ricky this year because, I mean – any of these guys, when they revitalize their career, even though Ricky's pretty young, he's like, you know, early 30s, he's got, you know, eight or nine masters under his belt. And he's played some of these courses that are coming up in these major rotations. So an experienced guy that once he gets game back on track, you could really see him take off here in the next season. Yeah, I mean, I think there was a few years back, there was a stretch, I think Ricky finished like top five or better in all the majors, like in for like eight straight majors or something like that. It was a ridiculous run. So like he now, like you said, he knows the courses are coming back in. Hopefully, he will actually see him finally, you know, capture a major. I think that'd be huge. I think that's why it's always so rare for rookies or young players to win majors. That's always why it's always so amazing because they lack the experience at not only the courses but then the events themselves. So guys like Keegan and Ricky, they start playing well. They're going to be huge contenders come this year in Augusta. Can I start a rumor? I Do feel it. like Ricky, when Ricky fell off was when TaylorMade came out those TP5 balls with the logos all over them, and uh, he, the, start, the he was like balls. the first one to start using them. Maybe that was the problem. They're distracted. A lot of things happened right there. I mean, Ricky got married. He did a, just an a, amazing amount of TV commercials and stuff, right? You started to see him way too much in between golf and not on the actual golf screen. So, I don't know. Maybe he's finding a better balance there. Maybe married life, he's got more balance there, but... 
you know, I hope he gets back, but it, you're right. It's, it's, I think it's all in the putting. It'd be interesting <laughs> to know like his endorsements earnings versus like potential career earnings that he's missed out on when dropping off. It's like, maybe there was that trade off. Like he spent all this time in the media that he's made more money doing that than he would have went in some golf tournaments. Over the last few years, he's definitely made way more well, money yeah, doing Not that. playing like, well, but if he was playing well instead of doing that, what that difference is. You know, I look at that group, that Jordan, JT, Ricky, and Smiley, right? That's like mm. the spring break crew. Yep. I think I really could have seen Ricky going like the Smiley-Kaufman route, like kind of just losing it. And, he tried. And I know, but he always kind of hung on. You can really tell it's still like he still has it and it's still a passion for him. I just hope he comes back because, like, Jordan and JT, right, they took all the spotlight, and they have for the past decade, right? Ricky's had his moments. Smiley had his moments, very few. But I could see Ricky kind of really falling off. Like, he just seems like the guy that's really happy, like, just making his commercials and living his happy life. I know he has that fire in him, but it seems like he lost a little bit. But I think that he's got a little chip on his shoulder now because he's like, don't you forget, like, you think Jordan and JT are good? I know I'm just as good, so I think this could be a comeback year for him. I need him going back to his roots, coming out full bright orange on Sundays. None of that muted stuff he's been doing with just like little orange highlights. He just needs to go all the way back to looking like a highlighter walking down the fairways. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that long ago when he was finishing second in like all four majors one year. I mean, I think that was the year Rory won two or something like that, but Ricky was up there. I mean... I'm surprised he doesn't have one by now. I saw some highlights from the Zozo, and his swing is starting to look a little bit more like it did when he was young. And there are flaws to that swing, like 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 decent flaws that, uh, you know, like any good coach is going to take a pro and say, okay, we got to change this and this because you know, be a little bit more consistent at contact. But then, like, I don't know, Butch, Butch Harmon could have, like, over-engineered Ricky's swing a little bit, and then he loses his, his feel, and all of a sudden he's down the stretch on a major, and he's just kind of not hitting good shots. So... I'm a bigger fan of like letting Ricky have the things that are unique to him and really find, you know, finding a way to make those things really good. And I think I see Ricky going back to his old style. His club's a little bit more laid off. It's a little bit more behind him. It's going to lead to some bad rounds probably because his timing might be a little off, but I'd rather see Ricky go back to that because whatever he was doing for the past four to five years, which probably looked more technically sound really just wasn't working for him. All right. So coming up this week, we got the CJ cup at Congaree golf club in South Carolina, of course, this is a tournament that they held at Shadow Creek in Las Vegas in 2020 during COVID. Uh, they went to the Summit Club in Las Vegas in 2021. Now we're at Congaree. Uh, in 2017 through 2019, they actually played it in South Korea. So a tournament that's been bouncing around a lot. Rory McIlroy is actually our defending champion. He shot 25 under last year at the Summit Club. Colin Morikawa, the runner-up. The year before, Jason Kokrak wins with Xander Schauffele as runner-up. JT's won this thing two times. Brooks won this thing once. We had Gary Woodland, Mark Leishman as runner-ups in 17 and 18. An exciting event. We're starting to get into some really good fields now. We should see some really good golfers this week. Uh, let me know what you guys think. You got anybody you're looking out for this week? I mean, I, I don't want to get you too excited, but you have to be looking at Rory this this week. I mean, he can actually overtake Scotty despite that amazing year last year for the number one overall spot. I think if he wins outright and then Scotty doesn't like tie for second – or tie for second or worse kind of thing. Like he, uh, he'll he win there. Or if he finishes solo second and Scotty finishes like in like 34th or 35th or something like that, Rory will jump him there to get back into that number one spot that Ben, you always think he deserves to be at. So I think you got to kind of watch him there, see how he handles that, that pressure to kind of really take that crown. I think the best case scenario for our podcast with this tournament is a final round pairing of Tom Kim and Rory McIlroy. <laughs> so Can good. you imagine how electric that would be seeing those two go head to head? Tom's going to be getting in Rory's head. And I think that might be what Rory needs to get himself going. I think Rory needs one of these young guys to really press him. And Tom's got that energy. And then maybe 
or he could sink an extra putt or two and maybe finally win a tournament. Well, I don't know. lag up a couple for it. That's a, you make interesting comments, but I think that Rory has been playing probably the best golf of his career over the past six months, and I'm just kind of like being a being a Rory fan my whole life. It's kind of like okay. When's the gig up? Like, when are we going to see Rory have, like, a bad tournament? Because Rory legitimately hasn't played bad since, like, early summer. Like, every just tournament. Just the cut at the FedEx St. Jude, and then otherwise he's had nothing but top tens. It's been outrageous. So, a course that they played the Palmetto Championship at last year, right? Garrick Higo won. So, this is the first time this tournament's being, being played here. Um, but it is a pretty limited field. I think it only has 78 players. I'm not sure there's even a cut. So it should be interesting to see even if a guy like Rory or Tom Kim falls down in leaderboard, maybe early round one, round two, make a push in the after, in the, in the Saturday and Sunday rounds. I'm looking at my boy Double L here. Um, he's, seen, he's had success in the early. We've seen him have success in the early tournaments. Obviously, I think he was, what, tied for second last year, you said, Ben. Um, different course, I know. But um, I think after the President's Cup, I think he, he gained a lot of momentum. He played well during that event. So um, I love for him to have, quote-unquote, bounce back. It's not like he played poorly last year, but not up to the standards that he is used to. Um, and I think this is a good place for him to kick it off. Well, he has a game kind of similar to Higo. Higo hits it long, but generally isn't. Like, this isn't a course he hit a lot of drivers at. It's, a, it's definitely an iron player's golf course. He was hitting his iron so pure last year. So, I mean, and like you said, Colin Morikawa played really pretty well later in, in the late half of last season. His irons are back. He's playing his fade again. Uh, you know, I'd love to see him take this one home. I think the other guy we got to make sure we look at is uh, Travis Fulton's pick for the player of the year for 2023 and John Rahm. You know, he's a guy that kind of had an underwhelming season overall last year, but, you know, certainly has all the talent, was number one in the world for, you know, maybe the, all of, you know, 2021 20, and most of 2022 before Scotty took over. So hopefully we'll see a big rebound there. It, it, there is a lot of talent in this field. So it should be an exciting one to actually watch versus some of the other tournaments we've seen in the last couple weeks. Right. We had a little break after the the Tournament of Champions or uh, the PGA uh, Championship. And then uh, we had the President's Cup, which was a nice, like, in-between thing. But it's been, you know, three weeks since that. So we've definitely had a lull and, and really good golf. And especially last week with the Zozo being, like, in a different time zone, you couldn't really catch much of that coverage. So excited to watch this one. We'll be looking out for our guys. Uh, should be a good week. All right. In other news, since we talked about it on the Travis Fulton interview, Colin, we need a review. Like we talked about, Colin had an old Nike driver upgraded this year to the Gen 4 PXG driver, which is the previous model, but they're giving an unbelievable deal right now. Only 189 bucks, I think, for a brand new driver, even though it's it's only a couple years old. Their tech is still amazing. Colin, you went out to the range, you hit it. Talk to us about your fitting experience at PXG and then how the range session went. Yeah, so uh, I've had the old Nike Covert for about 8 to 10 years now. I couldn't exactly pinpoint when I got that thing, but uh, I decided it was time to put it in the bag. The deal was just too good to pass up with PXG, so I went down to Fairfax. I got fitted. Uh, my buddy Joe down there, he had me hit about 50 driver swings. I was dead after about 25. <laughs> yeah. I kept turning around saying, are you sure you're getting good data off of this? Because I can barely hit the ball. That's always like. the problem. I know. But he was making tweaks after every swing. He said he got me hooked up. Um, I was getting, I don't know how much those computers are juiced, but he was telling me I was increasing my ball speed by about 30 miles per hour. So that was exciting. Um, I went to the range this past weekend and hit it. Um, I was hitting it through the range, which is something I'm not used to. So like left or right, uh, <laughs> pretty straight. I still have that low. I still have that pretty low, um, flat, yeah, pretty low, flat fade, but, um, it seems to be going a lot farther and popping off the club. I'm really excited to put it in the bag this upcoming season. So I'm really kicking around the idea of going down myself and getting one of these is it, you, 
would you recommend it to me? Absolutely. It was an awesome experience. Everyone in there was so nice. The facility was like brand new. It seemed like it was state of the art. They have you hit off a, with, with the track man, um, in a bay with the, with this projector screen, everything. It was, it was definitely a great experience. Um, those clubs, like you can personalize those clubs so much. I mean, from the shaft to the size of the grip, I think I got a medium size grip with this, which is something I'm not used to. So we'll see how that works out for me. But, um, there's like three different weights in the club head that they're, they're, they play around with. I think I have more weight in the back of my club head. So it helps me kind of swing up on the ball and get a little more height off of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was an awesome experience. I'd definitely do it again for other clubs um, as those get older. Uh, apparently their irons, I mean, I think Travis Fulton said their irons are ridiculously good too. So we'll see. Out of curiosity, did you have to like make an appointment ahead of time for it or did you just show up? No, you, you make an appointment, um, but I did it like the day before. So gotcha. it was really easy. And, and Tyler, you were supposed open. to go with him, I thought though. I must have missed the text or <laughs> if there was a call or it was I woke up that morning, I'm getting a driver. It was a, a rain. Wolf, it, was a, it was a rainy it day. I said, you know what? It's a good idea to go hit off a simulator. Not to mention, you got to go to Home Goods with Jenny, so that was exciting. Oh no, Jenny went without me. <laughs> I think the one thing you're going to love about this driver, you probably picked up some distance, right? I think the launch monitors are surely probably a little juiced, but you know, it's a, it's a different environment in the in the studio as well. But I think you're really going to enjoy the forgiveness. And then you talked about putting a mid size grip on your club. You know, having the right size grips is important. I don't have very big hands, but in college, I went to a mid size grip and found them just a little too big. But then the normal size grips probably just feel like I'm grabbing the club a little too tight. So, like, now I'm a guy that when I go and get a club regripped, I ask for two extra pieces of tape, which is right in between mid sized and normal sized. Uh, but I think. Point blank, you're going to enjoy the forgiveness of this new driver. I think you're also not going to have, every once in a while, you'd have those big misses left. I think with the right size grip, you're not going to be able to turn your wrists over as much. I think that's another thing, right? So not only is the club newer and better, you got the right shaft, the right grip, and for 189 bucks, I mean, you can't beat that. Yep, and I was shocked the difference. The sh- I mean, I've heard that the shaft makes a huge difference, and I know they have a ton of different options for shafts, some like tour shafts that are ridiculously expensive. But Eric... That- the one he the one he gave me I guess was like sixty five grams was a little heavier than a normal shaft and when he put that thing on it just felt so much better to me like just the way everything was weighted it just seemed to like lock into place I couldn't believe it that's the most probably the most important thing from a feel perspective in a golf club is what they call swing weight which is like the ratio of how heavy the head is compared to the shaft and grip so I'm sure when he was playing around with that driver too like putting a mid size grip on your head on on your driver is going to change the swing weight a bit but. I remember, so I broke my G410 this summer in a scramble and then got ping, ping, as good as they always are, send me a brand new one, a 425, the new model. But the, but the swing weight just feels a little different. I looked up the head weight and everything and they've in the same weight, but they just feel a little different. I'm still getting a little comfortable with this driver, but you're right. I think if the swing weight changes and you don't like it, it's a club you're not going to be that comfortable with. So I'm glad it worked out for you. All right, and then the big news of this week, last, uh, was it last Thursday, I think? The yeah, Thursday PGA, midnight. Yeah, PGA 2K23 released. We all have Xbox, I think also on PlayStation and PC. We all got it. 60 bucks, you know, just, just cough up the money. It's worth it. If you haven't had some of the pre- previous versions, I haven't had a PGA game. I think I got Rory's in 2019, probably because it was Rory. I think Tiger Woods 07 was the last golf game I owned. That was the best one they've had. And I don't remember uh, enjoying it that much, but I think having people to play with is really fun too. So my comment on this new version, right, the customization's great. 
make your player look however you want him to look, whatever clothes you want. Whoa, Ironically, whoa. you cannot yeah. change the weight of the player. You cannot though. change the weight. It of felt the player. very, uh, felt attacked. Yes, I do. I do agree. I'd say body shaming. Yeah, I, it's we body need, shaming. We need big boys in there. I, I got to be able to make my player a little bigger, hit a little further. It's got to be realistic. <laughs> but uh, we had a really, we've had great experiences so far. The online gaming integration on it's amazing, right? You just go to online match, you add your boys. Pick your course, pick your difficulty. You can change anything and everything you want. There's a lot of different custom courses. And then I think as the game gets older, too, we'll see a lot more courses. Like, I didn't see St. Andrews on there. I didn't see Augusta. Hopefully they get them. People make their own versions of them. But all in all, I would probably give the game a 9 out of 10 so far. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's up there, eight, eight, nine somewhere. I think it's really difficult. So I had the last PGA 2K21, I believe. It was also a pain um, Yeah, and once you got good at that one it was like too easy almost because you were shooting like 15 under rounds and i just don't see that happening with this one i think they improved the way that the swing works um they made the greens and chipping tougher so it's it's definitely more realistic it's more of a challenge and yeah it's like you said it's great being able to get on and play with your friends play a nice round of golf yeah 15 under just sounds ridiculous to me because the first round i played i was plus 27 so I think I have a lot of room to grow, personally. <laughs> um, I made the mistake thinking I'd be able to figure it out and put it on a harder difficulty than I really should have been, probably should have been on beginner. Um, but there there definitely is some challenges that I'll, I'll overcome with just practice. Yeah, it's definitely not the old Tiger Woods games that you would play where anything that's you know below a 52 is like a horrible round yeah. for you kind of situation. Inside like, 150, you're expecting it to go in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it, it's definitely one of those things you're kind of grinding out like some you know some tough pars and stuff to try to like stay relevant when you're playing or trying to go through all the qualifying if you're doing like the career mode or even like when we're playing and you do all the, the crazy settings and stuff like that. Ben, Tyler, and I were playing the other day just getting demolished by the course when previously, you know, even in gale force winds and, you know, all that kind of stuff, raining, all that kind of fun thing, you'd be like, all right, 62, great, great round, easy. You know, it was so hard. There was one round we played where Tyler and I were both, like, at plus 15 or something like that each, and then Ben was at plus 31 or Thanks something. Thanks for bringing that one up. Thank you. So it was like... I was mad he said I was plus 15, but I forgot about it. And then the next score. round, I shot three over, waxed their asses, and they're like, oh, you must have been using putt preview, which is bullshit. <laughs> he was using I putt was preview. not. I'm my guy. There's so... Let's, there's a couple things here, right? You can set up the difficulty. There are like six different levels of difficulty. It goes like beginner, amateur, pro-am, pro, and then anything after pro, you're just ludicrous, or you're playing on PC or something like that. We figured Pro-Am is just about the perfect spot for us because it allows you to hit, I would say, every fourth or fifth shot you can hit it good. And then in between there, you're kind of just managing the course. But then there's also profiles you can pick for your players. So you can be like someone who's good at putting, someone who hits the ball long off the tee, someone who's good at getting out of trouble, someone who's a good iron player. And they don't realize that my guy is a greensman. He's a good putter. And there's a reason why I putted the ball, why I putted the lights off the ball that round. I did not use putt preview. Well, not you were also chance. playing from the ladies' tee. Yeah, so. you left that <laughs> Not that out. round. You left that Not that out. year. <laughs> the, the first round, we go out there and You don't play. get a present that year. Tyler and I are playing the course from like 8,000 yards. Ben's playing it from 6,000 6, yards or something like that. I'm <laughs> wondering why I hit a ball 300 yards and it says Ben hit, hits 475. <laughs> the first round we played, we didn't know, but... I obviously have the highest handicap so far. I'm like a six or an eight or something like that. Colin's like a, a plus two or a plus three. And we played our first round, and it had me like on the ladies' tees, and they were playing the men's tees. And I'm pretty sure I still lost, but we did we did manage to figure that out. So now we're all playing the same team. So the thing I think I'm missing most from this game, and 
granted, they could have taken this out of the game 10 years ago for all I know is when I was hitting the drive, I was already like I had the controller positioned that I'm ready to start tapping A spin. as fast as I can for the power. And then I want whatever the other button was to spin it on the green. When did they get rid of that? Because that was my favorite part of the game. Probably like seven to eight years ago. Yeah, that definitely made it too easy. But I agree. That was fun. That was, that was gone could, before they transitioned from Tiger to Rory. If I could spin one back on the green. Oh, my God. But the program, def- back. the program difficulty is good. Like, if a green's 10 feet above you, you got to play a little more club. 20 feet below you, play it a little short. There's good wind. The chipping, I agree. The chipping, and we are awful out of the bunkers. <laughs> For some reason, don't, we... Don't say we. No, it's a collective. Tyler <laughs> uses a driver out of the bunker better than anyone I know. I'll post that to Instagram. I think Tyler hit like three or four bunker shots right back to his feet, and he said, I'm screwed. I'm pulling out driver. Bangs driver into the face of the bunker, puts it to like 10 feet. So that's our strategy now. It's funny, Ben, talk, you talked about the customization. So there's like a pro shop you can go to to buy, diff, buy different shirts and pants and, and whatever. So Ben and I get on to play for the first time. We load our guys up and we're wearing the exact same shirt. <laughs> I had to go spend some golfer tokens, change my shirt. The best part was Ben bought that shirt yesterday when Ben Tyler and I were playing and says, I bet Colin's going to love this shirt. <laughs> It was a bad birdie shirt. It was a fresh shirt. But now I'm wearing a Nike shirt. I'm I'm not sponsored yet. Colin was talking about his sponsorships. And I was like, Colin, I made it out of Q school, like the skin of my teeth, right? And then I get to the Corn Ferry door. I haven't like done anything but come in last for the first four events. So he's like, what kind of sponsorships do you have? I'm like, none. I've okay. been dropped by so many yeah. sponsors. I, I picked up Wilson and got dropped by Wilson the very next round. Oh. So I don't understand what happened. That's there. tough. Currently, I'm with Cobra and Nike, so I'm really trending up. My, my goal for the season is to get a sponsorship. <laughs> I've already been through one Gordon Ferry Tour season, haven't placed, but last every I, single event. I reset my career seven times because it took the first six I didn't get out of Q school. So <laughs> I just turned down sponsorships from Callaway and TaylorMade yesterday because my other ones are cool. Good. That's really wow. cool. Wow. What a guy. Oh, I'm really happy for you. <laughs> Loser. So other than that, another cool thing is when you first get the game, the first thing you need to do is go to the range and do the swing calibration, right? Everyone's a little different on their Didn't timing. So it's funny you say that. I didn't know that was an option. <laughs> Colin told us about it when it came out. I did, I've did. i done it like four times, and I still suck. So I don't know how much it's actually helping, but I would say when I first played my first couple rounds, I didn't get any like perfect tempo swings, and now I'm probably getting one every fourth or fifth shot. Really? I've ne- I legitimately have never gotten one. Well, if this game is anything like my real golf game, then I get like... <sighs> One round is going to be a totally different swing than the next, so I don't, I can't really trust this calibration. I will say that I am playing a bit of a jerry-rigged golf game right now because everything I do, I just aim like 15 yards right of where I'm aiming, and my tempo is just faster, very fast, and I hit this like little pull draw, but <laughs> it's working for me. I've had a couple rounds in the you know the low one, two, three. You made overs. like one cut, exactly. I think I came in like 20th in last event. Shut the hell up. Hey-o. All right, that'll wrap it up for today. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram and follow us at Big Players Only Pod. Hit us up. If you've got any questions about PGA 2K23, we'll do our best to answer them. Join the society. Thanks, everyone, for being here.